Who's faster, Bruce Jenner or Kathleen Jenner? Welcome to Answers News for Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. In today's top story, researchers discovered that men and women are different. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Hello, I'm Roger Patterson, joined today with Dr. Gabriella Haynes and Avery Foley. And we are going to jump right in in this new year, the first episode of Answers News for 2024. Yay. And we're going to jump right into this story. Study shows sex could be a better predictor of sports performance than gender identity. Had no idea. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> I couldn't have been more surprised than by the results of this study that no one needed because it's super obvious. Yes. All right. So this report comes to us as a synopsis of uh, British Journal of Sports Medicine, and it's given to us <clears throat> in a report from the College of, oh, sorry, the um, uh, London College, and this is a really clear, clear evidence that <laughs> when men are competing in the field against women, they actually perform better even if they think they're women. And we can't really be surprised by this because uh, no. <laughs> this is what's clearly pointed out to us in scripture. We look to the pages of scripture, God created two genders, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. male and female. And when we think we're confused by these things. We're really not, okay? People try to pretend that they're women to compete in one division or men to compete in a different division. And they go into these races and they perform. And the study here has shown us that they really perform like their actual sex, they're, that they're assigned to birth yeah. or they're given a birth is indicating to them. Yeah, the researchers found, according to the article, a sex gap in race times between athletes who identify as non-binary so just because the athlete didn't identify as male or female didn't actually change biological reality, which is not shocking at all. Obviously, men and women are very different. Men are usually taller. They usually have bigger, they have a bigger lung capacity, a bigger heart, usually more muscle mass. Therefore, usually they're able to run faster than women. Um, and so we, we see this all the time in, in sports now where women's sports are being taken over by men who will be way down at the bottom in the men's division. And then all of a sudden they identify as a woman, they join the women's division and now they're winning trophies and taking home all the awards and everything because we're different, God designed us differently. Um, and that's no shock from scripture and no shock from just reality. Like even a child knows the difference between a man and a woman. Um, it all has to just do with obviously the, the ideas of our day and of subjective identity trumping reality. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. It's a, that was necessary to write a paper <laughs> right. about something that's this. so <laughs> obvious, you know? And, and the other point is, um, this person was, the, the people that did that, they were very brave, you know, to do something <laughs> to do like that. To have this study. Yeah, to have the study because uh, the, now this cance the cancel uh, right. uh, culture, you know. Uh, but it's just reality. It's just the obvious thing that is, is just showing, even though in the paper they were trying to kind of, kind of, kind of soft, yes. uh, you know, <laughs> talk and this and that, you know, gender is important, but uh, what they're saying is when you take apart all the ideas that they're trying to kind of soft, the thing is, men is men, woman is woman, that's how it is, it's biology, and that's gonna, they're gonna perform mm -hmm. uh, when they're doing, um, you know, the sport, so. Yeah, and when it comes right down to it, this was a scientific analysis of the data, trying to lay aside all of the subjective information, because that's what science really should be, is a, yeah. an objective analysis, and this quote really kind of spells that out. Uh, it says, 
Given the lack of empirical evidence supporting gender identity theory, one should not assume by default that gender identity is a more powerful explanatory variable than sex. Being an objectively measurable binary variable, only male and female, sex has considerable explanatory advantages over gender identity. So the result, and it goes on to explain that the results really clearly show that those in the races that were men versus women, the, the identity didn't matter. Mm -hmm. If you chose to be a woman, you performed like a man because mm -hmm. you had you the body of a man and you were born as a man, yeah. regardless of how you chose to identify. Mm -hmm. So how we think in our minds doesn't matter. It's how God designed us to be and how we were born to be that really determines those things. Yeah. And that's uh, the real world. And when we think scientifically, that's going to line up with what God created in the world because yep. God is the author of the natural laws all around us. He's the one who created the world and the world is going to operate according to the laws that he made. And mm -hmm. he did in the in the perfect way. So the way that he did it, it's the way that it, we have to perform because that's the best for us. It's the best for everybody. And Avery and I, we have uh, little kids. Roger only have like big kids. Like when I say big, it's tall too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Avery and I, we have little kids and they, one week they're thinking they're Spider-Man, the other week they're thinking <laughs> they're like Batman and we don't allow them to act like Batman and Spider-Man because then we would be to emergency room every single week, right? <laughs> so the, the point is, it's, as Roger say, it's not, the way that you think is not gonna change your biology, it's not gonna change your genetics. It's not gonna change anything about your body. And that's very important because at the end of the day, actually, even though they did the research here, it's not about biology, it's not about scientific data, it's about, you know, just idea, this woke idea mm -hmm. um, of living away from God's patterns and uh, desire for man and woman, that it's uh, what they're trying to do. It's not, it's, it's not about biology, even though it was a really good research. At the end of the day, it's just about a seeing nature trying to live the way that they want. Mm -hmm. Speaking of living the way they want, across yeah. the pond we have a story coming from uh, the Methodist Church in the UK. Methodist Church brands terms husband and wife offensive. Uh, so this comes to us out of the Christian Institute, uh, which is a, an organization in the UK that kind of watches over things happening in the church there in the UK. And the Methodist Church there in the UK has written a guide, the Inclusive Language Guide, and this is uh, put out for their members and others to read, and it kind of gives a, this document, is about a 10-page document, and it's, it's full of things like how to avoid ageist language and how to avoid um, sexual language that might offend people who identify as different sexes and all these types of things, mm -hmm. and how to avoid all this uh, language that's going to offend people who want to live one way but don't want to be confused by the Bible and all the things that the Bible is going to say. And this is a very interesting thing. The one thing, as I read through that document, I actually did agree with one thing. I was kind of shocked <laughs> to find this. They said, dealing with ethnicity and race, they said, 
We believe that there's only one human race, so we shouldn't use the word races, we should use the word ethnicities. Mm -hmm. We can agree with that. We yeah. actually do agree with I that, yeah. I think that was that's about all. the yep. only we thing. We start with God's word, only one race. I think that's about yeah. the only thing I agreed uh -huh. with in the rest <laughs> in the of the document. In the whole 10-page document, uh, just the one thing. But this was a very concerning <laughs> uh, document coming out of the Methodist Church, though, because it really focuses on what the individual wants mm -hmm. to think mm -hmm. about, not what God's word has to say. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and that is very... Uh, when I was reading this, I was just like, this is, they have so many problems, so many things. First, this inclusive uh, guide. Second, they're directing them, the people that, you know, have more questions, directing them to um, LGBT, you know, uh, to go to that guide. The other thing is just like the the words, you know, gender neutral, just th mm -hmm. those those words, you know, Erasing the terms. design. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and just like, to show the congregation how to repent of any hurtful language. You know, I mean, it's just so, so many details right here that you just feel like it's just it's not a Christian church. It's just like a group of people that are going to get together to do something else that is not definitely worship God. And it's just very sad to see uh, those things happening um, right there, UK. And it's just not the first thing that happened. A lot of bad things are going really um, happening right there in the UK too, in the churches. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting how they do, they have this advice for how con congregations can repent of any hurtful language, not how you can repent of sin, <laughs> but rather mm -hmm. repent of, and when they say hurtful language, they don't mean unkind speech or anything like that. What they mean is using words like husband and wife, wife, son, daughter, gendered words. That's hurtful language because it does not reflect the reality for many people yeah. who have, you know, um, relationships come in varied expressions, they say. So we should be using parent, partner, child instead of husband, wife, son, daughter. So stripping all of the language that we find in the word of God right from the very beginning where mm -hmm. God created male and female, a husband shall leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. We find that language all throughout the Bible, starting from the very beginning, and they say, no, that's hurtful language. We shouldn't be using that. We need to repent of that. Um, instead of repenting of actual sin, what the Bible calls sin, instead repent of using language that God gave us to use to richly describe the creation that he made. If you think about the difference between like even words like parent and mother and father, mother and father is so much richer. It tells us so much more about mm -hmm. the person we're talking about than just generic yeah. parent. And they want to strip all the richness out of language and just boil it down to this like blank and neutral bleh, instead of the yeah. richness that God designed for language to express truth because they want to get away from the truth of how God has designed us and designed families from the very beginning. Sounds like we need to throw the heresy <laughs> flag on this one. Yeah, that is true. Because Agree. this is a church that comes out of a tradition of what we would consider generally faithful men, the Wesley brothers uh, coming mm -hmm. out of the Anglican tradition. And if you hear that noise right now, that might be them spinning in their graves because <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, they, would would, not be they would not this. be in favor of these things. <laughs> no. and, and you should not. If, if this is something that's happening within your church, uh, you should be fighting back against these things, looking to God's word, standing firm on God's word as the absolute authority in these areas. Yeah, one thing I was just mm -hmm. thinking is how can they preach? Like, how can they preach? Because if you open the Bible, there's just right there, you know, a son... Father, mother, uh, so how can they? 
yes, God, they have. God's going to have to, to repent also, right? Yeah. Well, we've got a couple books over there that deal with uh, some of these mm. issues that we've talked about here in these first couple of articles. You want to hold those up, Cammie? Yeah. We've got great way to equip your kids. Yep. We've got a God. Uh, I can't even remember. Why the did God? Make Why did God make me a boy? Why did God make me a girl? Uh, deal with those issues of. Uh, sexuality and how God created us uniquely male and female, how we see those things laid out in it's scripture. Start yeah. teaching those right from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. yes. And we've got to learn those things for ourselves, help our children understand those things so that as they encounter those things, they're going to hear them all around them. Uh, they're great resources for you to be able to get a hold mm -hmm. of and, and start understanding those things. All right, our next article kind of related to these things. Pro-life activists lose final appeal to avoid 16 million penalty for exposing baby parts scandal. Now this goes way back uh, to 2015, 16 is when this was a hot item. Mm -hmm. And we wrote lots of articles related to this, talked about it in lots of different ways. You might remember uh, cameras, table conversations over dinner, uh, Planned Parenthood executives being exposed for uh, funneling body parts of aborted babies in various ways, and the Center for Medical Progress, uh, two individuals involved in exposing all of these things, were releasing these videos over a number of months and years, showing how Planned Parenthood and other organizations were cooperating together to channel all of these baby parts into medical research, and there was lots of money changing hands, and somehow, for exposing these illegal activities, they wound up getting prosecuted because they were trespassing and filming people without them knowing. And so they faced a $16 million penalty for exposing all of these illegal activities. And sadly, they're kind of at the end of the Seems train like for they've their done it, yeah. appeal. They've been appealing and appealing and fighting and fighting. Um, and it seems like at this point, there's not a whole lot more they can do in order to not have to pay this massive fine to Planned Parenthood for um, for exposing the the horrible things yeah. that Planned Parenthood's been doing. I remember when those videos broke, and I got assigned to write an article on it, and just watching the videos of these men and women sitting around eating dinner and just callously talking about selling the the parts of infant babies that I they want a like, Lamborghini. Oh, I remember yeah. that line. Of, oh, from it was horrifying. Ladies, yeah. It was like I couldn't get it out of my mind for days afterward. It was just absolutely horrifying, and yet they have faced no repercussions, neither the Obama or Trump administrations, the article mentions, have taken any action against those over all these re revelations. Instead, the people exposing it have been the ones prosecuted, which is just a total flip of what should yeah. have happened in this in this circumstance. Um, and it just, it reminds you that this is not, as much as the media likes to scream about how this is all about choice and women just having choice and whatever, this is about money. Like this whole yeah. thing is about money. The amount of money these people are making off of the sale of unborn children's, it's just, it's just horrifying. And it really reminds us of the, the, just the deadly nature of sin, how one sin leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, leads to so much callousness that these people can just eat dinner and sit around and talk about something so heinous as if it's a joke and it's mm -hmm. funny and it's just what it's gonna buy them their newest thing that they want. It's just, that's really horrible. Yeah, it's sad uh, that unfortunately we live in a world that uh, we cannot even really trust that justice is going to be made, Yeah. right? Uh, but I'm also very happy because the people involved, the pro-life group, it's um, 
pushing. Uh, they're not going to be silent. You know, they're 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 gonna they're gonna do. Uh, they're not afraid of keeping um, the good the good work. And uh, that's just a reminder for all of us. You know that uh, we're gonna. Uh, it might it might come to a time where we're gonna have to pay pay uh, uh, even like in this situation financially uh, for one injustice that's gonna happen because we as Christian we we have to keep uh, talking about the truth and about God about that what they do in Planned Parenthood is a sin they're murdering mm -hmm. kids babies um, little ones and destroying lives and that's a sin and uh, it's just mm -hmm. really sad to see that unfortunately and very sadly the people that are exposing the problem is going to now be the people having to pay for um, that situation. So it's just mm -hmm. sad. Yeah, it's, it's a reminder, too, of that even if we don't get justice in this world, ultimately, God is the one who brings yeah. ultimate justice. And even if, the, even if there is no justice here, which is very sad and happens uh, too frequently, God is the ultimate one who will always do what is just and what is right. And he Amen. never makes a mistake and he never sides with the wrong party. He always does what is right. And that's Amen. a comfort to us as believers, yeah. especially when we see injustice in the world. And another resource you've got over there in front mm -hmm. of you, uh, this great book, Crafted by God, again, starting with the young ones and training them up in these things. A great book by uh, Dr. Purdom and uh, Stacia McKeever, laying all those things out, helping kids understand those things from a young age uh, at an appropriate level, how they are designed, especially by God, made in God's image, and a great teaching tool. Yeah. All right, next article uh, comes from a, a magazine uh, that used to be <laughs> a much more valuable resource <laughs> uh -huh. for Christians, less so in the last decades. How Asian artists picture Jesus' birth from 1240 to today. And what we learned in this article is that Jesus was born in Asia. Hmm. True statement, technically, uh, <laughs> Israel, technically, <yep>. Jerusalem <laughs> is in Asia. And we put uh, Bethlehem there where Jesus was born. It is on the continent of Asia. And so depicting Jesus as an Asian, as they lay out a bunch of different Asian artwork uh, depicting Jesus as an Asian infant in various nativity scenes and Asian culture and a bunch of different artwork as you can see here on this canteen and in this little uh, painting here is totally fine because cultures are just going to take the image of Jesus because Jesus is the savior for everyone in the world so it's okay to depict Jesus however you want him to be and if Jesus is a Thai baby or a Japanese baby or whatever culture Brazilian he's baby. in, Brazilian baby, he can be um, whatever culture you want him to be, and we can just take him into those cultures and make him part of that, because it's not aiming at historical realism, but a theological meaning, as this article claims. But we can run into some problems if we start heading Huge down that road, can't we? Problems. Yes, because you're missing, when you, when you try to do that, you're, first you're missing the actual historicity, but you're also missing a lot of the theological meaning of Christ's birth, that he came 
through a specific line because yeah. God promised he would come from the line of Abraham. And it's very important that Jesus descend. That's why there's chapters of the Bible in Matthew and Luke dedicated to tracing Jesus' ancestry is to show he really is the promised Messiah. He really came from the line that God said he would come from. He cannot be the savior of the world if he doesn't fulfill the Old Testament. And so you run into a lot of those theological problems when you try to disconnect Jesus from what the Bible teaches about him and fit him into all these other contexts. And in, in one sense, it's like, okay, well, we want people to understand that Jesus is the savior of the whole world. God yeah. promised Abraham that, that it would, all the nations would be blessed through his offspring, through the Messiah. We want people to understand that. But at the same time, you can't disconnect Jesus from the historical reality of who he really was. Yeah, because the point there is just trying to be like, oh, don't worry about the, the historicity of it, you know, just, just, mm -hmm. just, just like think about theology, just, just leave it aside the historicity. And that's a big problem too. Because there's a lot of theological um, truth connected, deeply connected to the historicity. Yes, yeah. You and that's separate. very important. You cannot separate. You know, even though it's kind of interesting, it may be cool, you know, like have a Brazilian. I'm talking about Brazilian because I'm from Brazil. Um, having a Brazilian, you know, uh, having a Canadian. <laughs> wait, wait, aren't, aren't we all Americans? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because we're all Americans. I'm, I'm from America. Yeah. Aren't you guys from America, too? Yeah. See? She's, she's from America. I'm from America. See, we're all Americans. The, the you're from, you're, all from, you're from North America. You're from South, South America, America. So we're all we're Americans. Not, no. See how silly it kind of gets right, yeah. when you start thinking no, about No, people have like a very that. specific thing in mind. When they start the yeah. article by saying Jesus was born in Asia, he was Asian. Well, that's... Technically, if you're born in Asia, yes, but that's not what people think of when yes. you say a statement like that. Just like saying we're all Americans because we're all from the continent of North America right. or South America. No, when you say American, you have a very specific thing in mind yeah. that isn't true yeah. for either United of us. United States, yes. Um, and that's so, going to skew yes. our thinking. So <laughs> exactly. when, we, when we start talking like that, we've got to be really, really careful. Yeah. And if we present truth in images, because images say a thousand words, a picture is worth a, th a thousand words. We start presenting these images to people, and this is the problem with movies and, and depictions of, of Jesus that present him in certain ways that don't reflect the Bible. And I won't mm -hmm. mention any popular TV shows right now <laughs> and get, get lots of negative comments. But when we start presenting things and say things and show things that aren't actually in the Bible, yeah. we plant things in people's minds that aren't actually true. And yes. then they start believing those things, and but they aren't actually in the Bible, and they yeah. start accepting those things as true when they aren't. Jesus wasn't Japanese. Jesus wasn't Thai. Jesus wasn't Vietnamese. And we see these things in all different cultures. Yeah, we see yeah. Ethiopic paintings. But then when we go to Western art, we see the white Jesus and Christianity today, in other articles, has condemned that mm -hmm. history, those historic paintings as, well, why do you have a white Jesus? Jesus wasn't white. So there's kind of a double standard. Mm -hmm. It's okay to present him in these ethnic um, presentations because that helps connect to those cultures, but it's bad to do it in this because there's this demonization of mm -hmm. the, it goes back to the woke idea of mm -hmm. this is the oppressor class and all these yeah, things. Yeah, they can't be consistent. Yeah, we can't that. be mm -hmm. consistent yeah. because they want to have one thing one way and one thing another way. It's just very discouraging and frustrating. If we would just try to be consistent, let's 
present Jesus in his true historical cultural context. And we try to do that our best here at Answers in Genesis. We're not always perfect, but let's present him as a Jewish born, middle brown skin, those types of things mm -hmm. that put him in that context as best mm -hmm. we can. Yeah. And that way we will be as faithful to the text as we mm -hmm. as we can and present those things in the most accurate historical context. Mm -hmm. And draw out some really important theological um, meaning that comes from Jesus' ancestry and how he's connected all the yeah. way back to Adam mm -hmm. and all of that. If he's not the savior from the line of David, then we don't really have right, any true hope yeah. in the gospel. He's yeah. not really the Messiah. Totally jumping tracks. <laughs> Are they close? Not even, not even close. Other side of the Moving world. Moving to a new continent. Southern, southern hemisphere. People once lived in a vast region in northwestern Australia, and it had an inland sea. Sounds lovely. Uh, this <laughs> might have been. So if we think about uh, different areas of the world during the period that we would think of as the Ice Age, the water levels would have been much lower because all that Water had evaporated off, it's sitting in giant ice sheets and glaciers, and water levels lower, so instead of walking out to what we think of as the beachfront, that would have been the continental shelf would have been dry and exposed, people would have lived there. Uh, we go to places like the area between um, France and Great Britain today, that would have been a open land and you could have walked across the <laughs> sea there, people living in those areas. Uh, so this article exposes one of those areas uh, on the northwest side of Australia, uh, between what we think of as Australia and Indonesia today, where people could have been living, and they try to think about as uh, that area was exposed and even a little inland sea that you can see there in the purple area, how many people would have been alive there, the time periods. Now they're giving time periods of 65,000 years, 18,000 years ago this ended. Are we gonna agree with those types of things? No, not going to agree with the timeline in here um, because we understand that the Ice Age followed the global flood of Noah's day. So we're talking like 4,000 or so years yeah. ago, people are living. Um, what I thought was really interesting about this is how for years um, people have asked us, how did the people and the animals get from, you know, the Middle East where Noah's Ark landed on the mountains of Ararat and spread all the way down to Australia? Well, this article talks about how people could have island hopped, arc, arc, no, I'm not going to say the word. Archipelago. Arco uh, thank you. Archipelago <laughs> hopped <laughs> uh, all the way down down through Indonesia down into Australia because those ocean levels would have been so much lower. Obviously, they've got a different time frame, but during the Ice Age, those ocean levels are so much lower, people are able to go across, and it's not vast tracts of ocean they have to, you know, paddle across or whatever. They can just cannot continue their way down. Animals are going to go the same way. So that was really interesting. We talk about that a lot. Um, and now they found all of these different artifacts and things under the water where people used to have homes and farmland. And now like, there was even rivers and lakes. They can see the riverbeds um, underneath the, the ocean now. And then as the water started to rise, people had to retreat and retreat and retreat and retreat as their farmland got slowly swallowed up by the water as the, as the Ice Age ended. Yeah, I thought it was really cool, the amount of people. Because sometimes when you think about you know, like at the time after the flood, it was not a lot of people, you know, but you see that around 50,000 to 500 people, 1,000, 500,000 people uh, lived around that time. Um, so it's just really cool to see the amount of people. Uh, mm -hmm. um, In this one little mm -hmm. part of Australia. Yes, area. So nothing wrong with the research here. We can generally agree with the ideas, yeah. but the time mm -hmm. frame's gotta be condensed. People living in this area after uh, the flood as the ice age had the waters lower 
uh, people are moving across those land bridges and shorter areas. So really lines up with a lot of what we've said yeah. in a lot of research. Great idea, and, wrong time frame. Um, idea in that book there, the uh, flood of evidence, uh, talking about how the uh, flood would have contributed to a lot of the sediment we see, the fossil layers, and then after uh, the flood, it would explain how the Ice Age actually mm -hmm. happened. So if you're interested in learning more about that, I can find some more of that in that book, Flood of Evidence. All right, here we go for our weekly dose of evolution fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Flowers giving up on scarce insects and evolving to self-pollinate, say scientists. Uh, so here we have a study of some pansies in France, and not people, these are flowers, okay? Pansies in France, and they have uh, looked at these over the decades and looked at the amount of nectar and the size of the flowers and some different things and realized that they've gone from about 10 to 20% less nectar in these flowers over the decades as the number of pollinators, the different insects, has decreased. Now, we know this is a factor as we've increased the number of insecticides that we use. We've seen a decrease in different pollinators. So as that's happened, these plants have decided to lose all these features. Mm -hmm. okay? And that's, that's the language it's that we see here. It's kind of, action kind right of there. fascinating. <laughs> we see things like the plants are undoing thousands of years. The plants are changing their pollination strategy, strategies. They've changed the shape of their flowers. They've given up on these things. Yeah. Evolution is amazing. It yeah. can accomplish all of these things. It's got all these in powers. In just a few decades. Yeah. Just a few decades. <laughs> yeah, and they use a lot of this word evolving, evolve, evolving, which mm -hmm. is it has nothing to do with evolution. It's actually... Uh, pansies are still pansies. Yes. Uh -huh. This is just a way of... Uh, it's a call a logical fallacy, just a way to kind of present something as logical and correct, but it totally has no... Uh, logic right there because we know that flowers don't give up flowers don't don't decide to do anything you know unless that your name is flower uh, you can do that but if not that's not the case it's just a way and of course here it's evolving these flowers not becoming it's not turning into something else you know it's They're just adapting still, it's, it's just, just adaptation yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's less pollinators, and so in order for the plants to be able to continue to reproduce, self-pollination is actually working better because there's less pollinators. Um, and so, therefore, what's the point of producing mm -hmm. all this nectar and these great, big, huge, beautiful blooms if you're not attracting anything? Mm -hmm. um, and so the plants are just adapting to the lack of insects. Nothing to do with evolution. Um, they're not gaining anything new. They're not changing Losing. into anything else. Um, they're just adapting to the current... Yeah. Situation. Ecological yeah. situation. So natural selection here has no power to accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. And that's something we have to make very clear. The power, as we'd understand this from the biblical perspective, mm -hmm. is the programming that God designed into his creation from the very beginning. Now, in the genetic information, that can play out as selection forces interact and mutations happen, and God's order and plan gets played out in that design. So it's God who has given them the power in the first place in that information that can be played out in that programming. So God put the power into them if we're going to talk about it. And that's the change mm -hmm. that we see coming through. Yeah. All right. We've got a few little highlights, some fun things we're going to roll through here really quick. Looking back on 2023, some, some fun scientific facts. Now, some of these are good observational science yep. and a few of them are kind of some historical science we got to take with a grain of evolutionary salt. 
Uh, but this first one, you guys as uh, recent mothers can kind of relate <laughs> to a little bit. The least sleep among mammals goes to this uh, sleep-deprived seal. Uh, the northern trip, elephant northern seal. Northern elephant seal, two hours a day. Can you yeah, relate to that a little bit? 20 minutes to two hours. I can relate to that so <laughs> much. <laughs> We're going to wake up morning and be like, oh, I feel like a northern elephant seal this morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I'm going to use that too. Yeah. I got a baby coming in, in nine weeks and be yeah. like, oh, here it comes northern elephant seal time. <laughs> All right. We go back to the earliest discovered horse riders, earliest equestrians, the Yamnaya people. Uh, they're dating this back to around 3000 BC. We'd probably bump that up a little shorter in our yeah. time scale. Uh, but these people from Central Europe uh, finding in their skeletons the marks. I thought that was so interesting. They're like, yep, they rode horses because they fell off. They have the damage <laughs> from falling, the, sitting on a horse and bow falling leg, off. Bow-legged, yeah, yep. so they've got all those marks on them. And then the most, the, the sunniest place on Earth. Mm -hmm. right, we go up to the Atacama Desert Chile. in Chile. And we get a sunshine of 308 watts per square meter. Okay, so there's lots of sun going. Good place to sunscreen. put your solar panels. Yeah. <laughs> Take your sunscreen if you're going there. And then this one, we got to chalk up to the evolutionary yeah, view, yeah. of course. The oldest black hole. The oldest yeah. black hole. So we're looking back uh, with They're the James, the James Webb Space <laughs> Telescope. But amazing things we can find with the telescope and yeah. uh, looking so at that. So many things that have confirmed what we'd expect from God's word. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then this one. <laughs> this one was my favorite. Yeah, it was my favorite too. Fastest yeah. little shrimp. Okay, these are called pistol shrimp or other names for them like that. And they can snap their claws closed. The juveniles more so than the adults. As we get slower when we get older, <laughs> 600 kilometers per second per second is the acceleration of their That's claws. Yeah. It's crazy. They, they said that they had to take the footage at 300,000 frames per second, then slow it down by 10,000 times just so the human eye could see what was happening. And this is just little shrimp living in the yeah. ocean, just glorifying God by snapping their claws. Like, it's just so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that one. I think it's just so amazing to see a, a, a little creature like that doing something yeah. that amazing. Uh, it, 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 this just takes us back, you know, like to God's word and his design yes. and, and perfection and uh, his humor also, right? <laughs> Making this little yeah. tiny shrimp that can so do this. It's just amazing, yeah. It's I amazing. love it. All right, and the oldest wooden structure found, of course, we're going to disagree, disagree with the date. Yeah. 480,000 uh -huh. years ago, they're going to take us back early to the dispersion after Babel, mm -hmm. around 4,000 years ago. But mm -hmm. um, this in Zambia, dated to 480,000 years in the evolutionary view, um, prob they would say this would have to be some creature like Homo erectus or Heidelbergensis in their view, yeah. which doesn't make sense because they're like carved interlocking logs and wood structures. Yeah. How do they even pretend that, <laughs> as they keep pushing the dates back yeah. and back and back for these things? How do they keep pretending these things are true? It like, just way more sense to biblical worldview. People yep. after Babel People wanted after a Babel. bench. Yep, wanted a bench. <laughs> they needed one. Sit down on something. Don't blame them. <laughs> and then I promise I won't make any pregnant lady jokes when I Thank put this you. slide Appreciate up. Thank you. Appreciate that. Got that was the heaviest. first thing that I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Adrian. Heaviest animal ever. Uh, <laughs> looking back in the fossil record, this new whale species, uh, Parasitus colossus, aptly named, I think is probably the heaviest, uh, twice as heavy as blue whales, if mm. we're interpreting this fossil correctly. So, giant, Huge. Giant <laughs> 
Again, oh. we just screwed the timeline yes. on when this lived. Yeah. You know, of course. It was buried during the flood, probably. All right, fun looking back over 2023. Mm -hmm. But coming up here in the next couple of weeks, we have <gasps> I'm a so excited very, about this. <laughs> very We've got our fun tickets. thing happening down at the Ark Encounter. Well, why don't you tell them all about it then? C.S. <laughs> so Lewis's The Horse and His Boy live stage production is coming to the Ark starting next Wednesday, the 10th. Um, and kids are free, 10 and under. So me and all of my kids, my husband, are going. We've been well, reading the book with the kids. So they're, I know, right? It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we've been reading the book in preparation. The kids are super excited. Um, so yeah, make sure you make plans to come. It's going to be amazing. The Horse and His Boy is the best Narnia. So I'm very excited to see it as a stage production. All right, that's all we've got for you today. So we will see you next time. Thank you and God bless. See ya.